One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. Flora, I think you'll find it's Amber Rudd first and shouldn't you tell people who we are? Okay, uh, with journalist Flora Gill and failed politician Amber Rudd. (laughs) Or more like the right honourable Amber Rudd and her nobody daughter. Okay, wow, taking that to therapy. Each week we'll be discussing topics that split opinion and we'll be trying to convince each other to change their mind. That's right, because here at Split Opinion we think changing your mind should be celebrated. Too often today, people refuse to listen to the other side and have become very dogmatic in their positions. That's something I learned a lot about in the past few years in politics. So we'll be looking at items that have changed our mindset in the last week before picking a subject to delve into. Sometimes they'll be serious, like drug legalisation and prostitution. Other times they'll be less so, like telly and thongs. But we won't be doing it alone. We'll be joined by a guest, an expert, who can help each of us win our particular case. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Split Opinion. This week we're talking about sugar, sugar tax, sweet treats. Is sugar inherently evil? Uh, We'll be joined by former health minister Anne Milton and Jamie Lang, who is the founder of Candy Kittens. And you may also know him from Made in Chelsea. That's what he's famous for, isn't it? Made in Chelsea. I didn't know about this Candy Kittens lark. So have you got any samples? Mum, you you are in luck. I got you some sweets. (laughs) Flora, you know, you know how to get me on your side. Mmm, they smell delicious. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see how long they last. I reckon about four minutes. But while we snack on these, um, while we'll talk about our mini topics of the week that we've changed our minds on. So, Mum, to start no, us off... No, no, you're going to have to go first because I'm still chewing. You actually are midway through. So, I've changed my mind uh, recently on volunteering. Mm. That I'm now not for it. Oh. No, that, that's That's... 
Mum's looking at me like I've declared that I'm an evil Satanist. Yes, I, you are a bit. Volunteering is a good thing to do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I should be more specific. I'm not against volunteering. I'm just looking back on the on volunteering abroad, particularly when young white girls go volunteer in Africa to go save some babies or help out in an orphanage. And I've changed my mind on it because it is something that I did at one point during actually before my gap year. Me and all my school, we all went to Swaziland to go painter school and it's now often called voluntourism because that's exactly what it is it's tourism where white people pretend like they're going to help out and actually it's just just so much white savior complex involved in it and just the idea that as a whatever 16 year old when however old I was I thought that it was helpful for me an untrained random schoolgirl to go out to Africa and paint their houses as if in Swaziland they needed me from England to go paint is just so, so absurd. I just look back and cringe. But hang on a second, hang on a second. I, I think you're right to be reflective on it. But on the other hand, what did they get out of it? Not only did they get a school painted, true, probably somebody else could have done that, but didn't they get some money out of it as well? Yeah, I think we did have to give a, a raise a amount of cash for the school as well. Which is true, that might have been, in that circumstance, there might be something good that, that was gained from it. But there's, in terms of volunteerism, there's also an awful lot of exploitation, a lot of issues around it, a lot of criminality. It's, I, I think a, a lot of it is a really bad trade. And I also think the message that you teach these, teach us, for example, these young people in England, is this idea that, that we need to go over and save Africa in a way. Yeah, Whereas yeah. actually we probably would have done more good just going over and, you know, holidaying there and seeing it as a real place and spending our time there and learning about all the amazing things that Swaziland, you know, has to offer. While also making a financial contribution, perhaps, to people who needed it. Yeah, but yes, that is true. But also tourism does make a financial contribution. That is true, that is true. Okay, so they could have sent you on a different type of trip rather than one where you were apparently saving a school which probably didn't need to be saved. Is that your point? Yeah, exactly. Okay, fine. Okay, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, so, Mum, what have you changed your mind on? Well, um, I've changed my mind on camping, I think. Uh, again, the Prime Minister seems to have changed my mind on this. Uh, it looked quite fun, I thought, their sort of old-fashioned tent and the cosiness of it. So, so which way have you changed your mind? I, I've never been camping, and I think I want to go camping floor. I'm worried I've deprived you in your childhood. I never took you camping. And your father certainly never took you camping. I, I actually so, have gone camping with my father. Uh, but it wouldn't have been camping camping. It would have been supersonic luxury camping. It was pretty it was in Colorado intense you know we made beans over a fire I definitely had like a um uh just kind of a just a I don't know camping mat to sleep on and he had a full blown up mattress inside his tent it's true actually I had my first kiss oh la la in a Gosh, camping in a tent so I have very how was it how was it for you camping um, it was okay. There was a bit of teeth clashing, I remember. I remember <laughs> okay, thinking enough, that you enough. had to turn your head right and left. And I was very desperate to quickly touch tongues because oh, then it counted as a snog and not just a kiss. Okay, that okay, key. that's enough. So back to me. Um, I think I need to learn more about camping, although I did actually go to the lengths of making an inquiry about it yesterday. Oh, my God. And, in fact, it turns out all the campsites are full because everybody's having to camp. So I can't actually fulfil my new wish quite yet. But I'm going to continue to explain it as a possibility so this time next year look out for the invitation on holiday and don't be disappointed when i tell you we're going somewhere nice and local for a bit of camping oh i'm busy that weekend well let's let's just see <laughs> next year even. for your 30th birthday yep you're oh, going to be that old God. i'm going to take you on a special adventure camping up a mountain okay well jack i'll expect you back in my tent for round two <laughs>
now we're talking about our main subject this week, which is on sugar. And sh- is sugar inherently evil? I think it is. Uh, even though I am chomping here on candy kitten sweets. Yeah, you can... I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I do think that um, sugar is a problem. It's a problem because obviously too many of us eat too much of it. And obesity has become a real issue in this country. And we know that obesity carries with it many problems like type 2 diabetes. But we know even more than that now that you are more likely to be adversely affected should you get COVID if you are obese. So that sort of reinforces the need to make sure that we do more to stop ourselves becoming obese. And the really bad contributor to that is too much sugar. So I think that uh, government already does a bit to try and reduce sugar content in sugary drinks. But I think that the government should be stepping up its intervention on making sure there's less sugar in all products. And I think that when we speak to Anne Milton later on, who was a former health minister who brought in the sugar tax, I hope that she will support me in that endeavour. So I understand the sugar tax around uh, fizzy drinks because they just have just such ridiculously huge amounts of sugar in them and I know that once they the tax was brought in the response by a lot of the um brands was in fact just to find ways around it and effectively reduce the amount of sugar in their drinks rather than having to um pay the tax tax pay more but I worry about the sugar tax in general if it was rolled out to other things like food because I because obviously the tax is regressive and therefore it's going to affect the hardest off the worst it's going to be most difficult not for the people buying the eight pound pot of jam that have to spend an extra 50p but if you're buying the 30p thing of jam that's now 80p it's gonna it's a huge difference yeah it's true and that is that is always always the argument to stop any sort of tax on something which is a sin in a way in the same way that there is higher taxes on alcohol and on beer and on cigarettes people always say the same thing which is that you are adversely affecting people who have a fixed income have a low income more than the people who have large incomes and this is true but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it and you know you it's, it's a bit you're a bit conflicted there flora because on the one side you acknowledge the fact that the sugar tax on fizzy drinks has worked and it's worked despite all those reasons you've set out against it. On the other hand, you don't want it to be on food. Why shouldn't everybody benefit from having lower sugar in their content, in their food as well as in their drinks? And I just don't think you can avoid it. The cost of having people becoming more obese to their personal lives and to the NHS, to put a sort of practical point on it, is growing all the time. We have to do something. And it's not all about exercise. It's so much more about what you eat. Don't I know it? I'm somebody who's been on diets on and off all their life with very little success. But I just think we need to help people out a bit more themselves. But the difference is, is that people, as opposed to alcohol or smoking, where these are addictions that people don't necessarily need and they are fundamentally killing them, food is something we do need and we do have to have. And you can't just, you know... You can reduce the amount of sugar you have in them. Um, and also there is a lot of sugar in things that people don't really expect. So you can go to buy sort of ready-made meals and you can be shocked if you actually look on the side of how much sugar and indeed fat content there are in them. But you can, if you to have a tax on them, because the margins often in food are very, very tight, then you just might make people who produce these meals move towards non-sugar sweet content ingredients. But I mean, I don't know enough about it, so it'll be interesting to hear from our guests. I think the difference I make between sugary drinks and uh, sugary sweets and things like that is that I don't like the sugary drinks. So I don't drink... <laughs> You've never liked fizzy drinks. I don't like them at all. So I'm kind of like, get over it, stop drinking Coca-Cola. It's disgusting, unless it has vodka in it. Uh, but 
Sweets, on the other hand, chocolate, on the other hand, I am a big supporter and fan of. And I don't want Jamie Oliver coming along and taking it away from me. But I don't just mean sweets and chocolate. I mean actual food like pizzas and curries and stuff like that. We need to get the sugar content declared and reduced so that we help people lose weight. Don't we just need more transparency? Don't we just need these companies, you know, to be clear about they have sugar in them? You know, those little when green When did you last look at the side orange. of the packet? I look at those little green, red, orange... Traffic lights. Traffic light symbols that okay. tell you how much they have. I always end up... I, I try to go for ones that have red of salt if I'm if I'm choosing what's going to be red because I just don't really believe the negative side effects of salt. It just makes everything tastier. Aren't you just drawn to the amber lights? No, no definitely <laughs> not. I feel like salt is a bit like MSG. Like, it's not really bad for you, basically. Well, it's, it's not good for you in quantities, but the worst thing for you, if you want to keep your svelte-like figure is uh, sugar. I wrote a piece um, a while ago about how I have both genes for Alzheimer's, thanks mum, which means I'm just just 10 times more likely to get Alzheimer's in my old age. And I got lots of nice responses from everyone. And I got a lot of responses from people who um, campaign about the link between sugar and Alzheimer's and were telling me to give up sugar. And I just thought, I do not need that in my life. Do not come at me with that negative energy. If I'm going to forget everything, I want to forget about it with a lollipop in my I mouth. I didn't know there was a link. That is, that no, is I think this is a conspiracy theory. I'm not spreading this. I, don't, I haven't looked up any of the science. I can tell you as soon as I saw the, the subject line of the emails being like sugar link to delete. <laughs> I did not finish reading it. So please do not quote me on that. Well, anyway, I think you better be cautious for Flora. Hand over that sweet. Mmm, delicious. So joining us now, we have Anne Milton, who's the former health minister, who's going to be talking to us about the politics of sugar. She herself was involved in the introduction of the sugar tax. So we'll have a lot of information uh, and insight in that. Exactly. I'm really looking forward to hearing from Anne. And um, thank you so much for joining us. We have been talking today about the sugar tax and the issue of whether sugar is evil. In the context of COVID, in the context of obesity, we've been trying to explore what more could be done or should be done. Can I start by asking you, as a former health minister, what your view is about government intervention on sugar in products? Well, I don't think it will have a significant impact on the problems with obesity. Um, I think the tax isn't a bad idea because I think it sends a message that uh, sugar isn't, too much sugar isn't very good for you and it raises the money for the treasury. And if they put it to good use, then that's all well and good. But it's fundamentally not gonna make anybody thinner. But on sugary drinks, it's generally considered to have been an effective government policy because those sugary drinks were adapted so they have less sugar in them and it didn't actually raise very much money, but it's been effective at removing sugar from something that was actually bad for people. Well, it has removed some sugar that people would have otherwise drunk, yes. But that isn't going to have a huge impact on the problems with obesity. And in fact, if you look at countries like Denmark, um, I gather, if I'm right, that they've had a sugar tax since 1930. I mean, we are consuming too much food, and sugar is one of those foods that we are consuming too much of, but its impact will be minimal. What sort of government intervention should we have then? If you think the sugar tax is too lightweight and ineffective, what else is there that that government could be doing to try and nudge people to better habits? So it's 
you first of all got to decide why people are eating too much. We're eating a great deal more than we used to and probably expending a great deal less energy. Um, portion sizes have got bigger, wine glasses have got bigger, um, there is more food available. It was rare um, 30 years ago to go out to eat because people couldn't afford it. So food um, as a proportion of your annual income, whatever the income that is, is now cheap stuff. There's no point government intervening until it's decided what it's going to do and why people are eating too much. Just promoting um, so-called healthy options, and I dislike the term myself, um, is not going to cut the mustard. So, so what would cut the mustard? Sorry, Flora, just in, what would cut the mustard in your view? But it's got to be both carrot and stick. It's got to be a supportive uh, environment in which to encourage people to lose weight. Um, there's no point in shouting at people and saying you're too fat, however tempting that is at times, um, <laughs> because those are people who know that they're overweight and would like to lose weight, but they can't for complicated reasons. I think time has got a big factor to play. If you look at people's stories in lockdown, a lot of people, um, not everybody, because some people have put on vast amounts of weights in lockdown because they're doing less, but a lot of people will say, well, I've lost weight and I don't think I'm eating any less. But what I am doing is taking the time because I've got more time to prepare food. And I, I think time is a, is a significant factor. And Amber and I will know as politicians, you're too busy and so you grab a sandwich. There's always, um, whenever there's conversations around healthy food and about how cheap a ready-made meal is, there's always conversations online of often very well-off people being like, that's rubbish, just look, I've bought an onion and it costs 7p and actually you can make a healthy meal for even less. I know Annunciata Rees Mogg got in trouble for doing it recently. But as you said, it's it's not just about the actual ingredients, it's about the time it takes. If someone's busy and they're working hard and they're work, having to work numerous hours to feed their family, it's about the time it takes to just put a ready meal on rather than to go out and buy the all diff different various ingredients. Well, exactly. And, you know, you've got a busy life. Uh, both you and your partner have got a job. You might have two jobs. You're juggling all that with childcare. You're grabbing the kids, giving them something to eat, putting on the washing to be ready to go to work the next morning. Um, and you just do not want to have to then get out your onion and your leek and fry them gently with minimal oil and do all the things that you need to do. But you just don't have the time, energy or inclination to do it. So you eat what's easy and convenient and gets the calories in. Yes. But I mean, what else should we be doing for children, really? I mean, uh, the level of obesity amongst children continues to rise. It continues to rise for very young children as well. We will be speaking to Jamie Lang about candy kittens and it's a uh, nice sweet, but it's got quite high levels of sugar in and I'm going to take him to task for that. I still feel that people producing sweets, food of all sorts should take more responsibility about keeping the sugar content low. And if they're not, they won't, surely it's something that government ought to intervene on in some, at least it's part of the answer. I think it's a very small part, Amber, actually. I, I would challenge that, that it's going to make a huge amount of difference. All you need is a good, balanced diet. 
But if you don't know what a good balanced diet is, and neither did the family you brought, who brought you up know what a good balanced diet is, you're starting from a very low base. So the problem with children, you can do everything in school, but if the habits at home conflict with that, you, you've got a problem. So one of the things you've said was good from the sugar tax was kind of the message that the government sent and the importance of it. But don't you think that the government's messaging around health has been quite mixed, especially recently? You know, we've had a lot of talk about the importance of obesity, but we've also had Rishi's eat out to help out, including things like McDonald's and, and all these fast food joints that are definitely not healthy. Well, we, we should first of all re- rename Rishi's help out to eat out scheme is the taxpayers help out to eat out actually (laughs) it's not rich's money it's taxpayers but i couldn't agree more i actually went out last night and the place was absolutely roofed out and there's about it when you go out to eat you eat more than you would do at home because you will probably have two courses so it does conflict with it that the people who run pubs and restaurants I, i you know i feel very sorry for them but it's not necessarily being useful messaging. No, that is correct. Eat out is what it says. So, so it's a bit of a council of despair, though, Anne. Well, what is the solution then? What else should we be doing? Intervention with families at a very early stage. The one time that you get a chance to intervene, if you like, with families is when somebody's pregnant. And so quite intensive work that doesn't just last when the child is a baby, but actually takes that child in, into school. And, and it's expensive, it, it will be expensive, but it would make a difference. The trouble with all public health interventions is that they've got very um, long outcomes. You've got to wait a long time, and that doesn't fit in well with the electoral cycle. Isn't there also an issue with ca- th- this campaign against against obesity effectively ending up causing a lot of fat shaming and a lot of bullying and a lot of kind of misunderstanding and hatred towards people that are fat for various different reasons oh yeah you're absolutely right and um you know stigma is a means of social control and it has very damaging consequences so you you have to be careful how you do it for sure which is why addressing people in school, making fat people, fat children go and perform exercise is awful. Awful. They, they've got terrible self-esteem probably anyway. Um, they know they're overweight and then you tell them to go and put a pair of shorts on and run across the playing field or across the local park. I mean, it's awful, really. Do you think that there is a problem with pricing? So, you know, we've discussed before the issue of uh people from deprived areas, you know, obviously having a lower income and therefore going for the food which is cheaper, typically higher in fat and salt and sugar content. Do you think there's anything that government should be doing in terms of supporting people with food vouchers or healthy options in order to give them an alternative so that they turn away from the more fattening amounts of takeaway pizza and stuff? Whether you turn them away from it, I don't know. But vouchers for things like vegetables in particular um i think might help they might help if you want to make people healthier generally um live longer with less long-term conditions 
you need to have quite intensive support in those communities. And it can't just be about food, it's about exercise, how you live your life. And in some communities, that will need to be very intensive. Okay, so calling for a much more rounded approach than the simple sugar tax to be extended, which I thought might be a helpful part to trying to help people have less consumption of sugar, to be frank. A much more rounded approach. There isn't, if you're looking for a headline, then you won't solve the problem. That's a shame because this government likes headlines, as you and I know. <laughs> the government loves headlines. The one thing, the one thing that correlates well with people's health is education. Right. Mm. So better educated people tend to be healthier. Yeah. So you can have an impact on education with much shorter time frames, and that might well make a difference. So maybe mum should be making out sugar to be not necessarily the big, scary, only be all evil. No, absolutely not. The prime minister has said cheese is his his downfall. He hasn't (laughs) said it's a packet of sweets. I mean, out of the prime minister's own mouth in the word cheese. Well, I'm quite partial to cheese. So am I. And if I put on weight, it's because I've eaten too much of it. Um, (laughs) So, yes, it's not just sugar. Okay, Anne, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us, Anne. That was great. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to Split Opinion. We've just been speaking to Anne Milton, the former health minister, about today's topic, sugar tax and obesity. So Anne wasn't as supportive of your ideas as I think you thought she would be. Yeah, don't sound so blooming smug about it, Flora, (laughs) that lilt in your voice to say, oh, yeah, look, I told you so. No, that was a bit disappointing. And she has been a health minister, so she does, and she's a nurse, so she does know what she's talking about. Um, But what I conclude is that what she's calling for is quite an ambitious proposal because it's about uh, intervention in families and it's going to be a sort of bespoke approach. I mean, I just don't know whether you're going to get that because... I mean, I saw today on a list of what really matters to people, there was a poll done, and there was um, education, there was health, there was immigration, there was a bit of Brexit, but nobody's talking about obesity and intervention. So I'm a bit concerned that what she wants is the perfect, 
and she's making an enemy of the good, which is just an intervention on sugar only. But I mean, not just sugar, but perhaps other things. But I don't know. I'm losing my know. confidence I, I think... a bit. I'm going to hang on. I haven't quite finished, Laura. I'm going to nevertheless go back and tackle Jamie on sugar because I still think it's it's doing damage to people. But I'm very disappointed in Anne's very rational approach. Mm, I think sugar is an easy bad guy to paint, whereas actually it might not be that simple. I know when uh, when Jamie Oliver was obviously fighting for healthier schoolmates and stuff and and as a result effectively just became a meme for lots of people to say you know Jamie get your hands off my curly fries off my turkle twizzles wasn't it exactly something like turkey I can't remember what they were turkey twisters turkey twizzles I don't know Um, but one of the things that he was saying is that if you're the tax is good but you then got to ring fence that money in order to spend it on other things and that doesn't really seem to have happened no I think I think you're wrong there uh, I think some of the money that has been raised, a lot of it has been, most of it, I think, but I would have to check, has been diverted to investment in school sports. That was the plan anyway. Whether it actually happened, I can't be absolutely sure because I'm no longer in government. Oh, you like, you get just still a little teary-eyed about that. A little, <laughs> you can't see listeners, but she's just crying into her... I'm coping, I'm coping. <laughs> um, coming up to join us next, we have... Jamie Lang, who uh, is a founder of Candy Kittens, which is a sweet company. He was also on Made in Chelsea that you might remember him from. He's still on Made in Chelsea. And he is, I'm a bit nervous to interview him because he is king of podcasts. He does uh, private parts with Frankie Ball. Sounds right up your street. Looking forward to it. You can hear her with a mouthful of kittens. Mm, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> You can see that we've been doing some market research and eating all your sweets to get mum accustomed to it. Any excuse for a little sugar fix, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie, you started off on Made in Chelsea. We still do Made in Chelsea. Um, and now that you have uh, your Candy Kittens company, which has been just hugely successful and is basically in every supermarket and everywhere, as far as I can tell. Uh, what made you want to start a sweet company? Uh, do you know what? It, it, it's it's a funny one because uh, when I was a kid, I basically was scared of the dark. And uh, my brother, who I shared a room with every single night because I was too afraid to share a room by myself, just basically an anxious child, I think it was, um, he, to make me fall asleep, he would tell me a story of Jamie and Sweet World. Oh, so that's lovely. This is totally true. And I was incredibly hyper. Uh, and weirdly, my parents didn't allow me to eat any sweets, but they allowed, they gave me white chocolate, which Oof. is totally the That's... wrong thing to do because white chocolate has way more sugar. Yeah, it's just all sugar. Um, so I wasn't allowed sweets. I had an obsession with this story that my brother told me. So growing up, I had this dream that I wanted to have a world made of sweets, and sweets that didn't damage your teeth. And I said, I'm going to set up a sweet company. And I said, I'm going to call it Candy because uh, that's the universal personal name for sweet confectionery. And I'm going to call it Kittens because those were going to be the good looking people who sold the sweets. Mm. I thought it would be a great idea, like Abercrombie and Fitch. I thought sex kind of sells. So I wanted to make a mixture between Willy Wonka and Hugh Hefner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the idea at the beginning. Terrible idea, but that's how it kind of all started. So basically it was your dream, and you've realised your dream by having your own virtual sweet shop. Yeah, I, I think it was, but you know, it, it, it's sort of very easy. You know, I was in a fortunate position where I didn't have to find a job straight away. 
And I think a lot of people who, you know, I get asked this question a lot, how do you start a business when you're doing this and you're doing mm-hmm. that? And a lot of, most people, 99% of the country, have to go and work in the local Sainsbury's in order to pay for this and pay for that. Uh, you know, my family gave me an allowance. Um, I didn't have to pay rent. Um, and I, w- I went to university, so I did performance because I kind of liked it, but I kind of had the options to do loads of things. And that was so great that I was able to discover what I wanted to do. And a lot of people are, don't have that ability. And I think that's what's kind of great for myself because otherwise I'd be totally lost. Can I ask you, though, about um, sugar? Because as we know, there is some concern about sugar, given that we are all concerned about obesity and particularly in this environment with obesity and the COVID crisis, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that there's enough clarity about the fact that even though it's healthy in some ways, it also has a lot of sugar in it? Yeah. So I, I think there's, I think, again, there's a few things. I think that definitely with our sweets is that we are incredibly open and honest about they are a treat. They are, they are sweets. They are sugar. I think the issue that we have in the, in the country and around the world is that you have hidden sugars. So people who don't realize how bad, you know, saturated fats are or, or smoothies that you eat in the morning. If you leave it, if you squeeze it, if you get a freshly squeezed glass of orange juice and you squeeze and leave it for eight minutes, actually all the vitamins die in it and you're just drinking pure sugar. These things aren't kind of common knowledge. So actually, hidden sugars are the real big problem. And also, the other problem with obesity is I don't think it's down to a lot of the sugars. It is down to a lot of the sugars. What's it down to is that actually healthy food is really expensive. So people can't afford healthy food. Uh, I did a TV show for BBC, which was a very strange title. It was called Famous Rich and Hungry, where two different families who lived on benefits. Uh, they lived on benefits and they paid, it was, they lived on £1.20 per, uh, for food per person a day. I mean, it was pretty miserable for them. Um, and they couldn't afford healthy food. They could afford pizzas. They could afford uh, frozen foods. They could afford these things, which is just full of crap, to be honest. So I think the issue that we have is that a lot of people aren't educated enough on what they're eating because they don't know that it has sugars in it and fats and all these terrible things for you. With the sweets, we're pretty open and honest. This is a sweet. This is a treat. It's not saying that you should eat loads and loads of. You know, it, it's fine. You can do things differently. You can do reduced sugar. We're looking at that. We don't really think there's a market for it. And there's also sugar-free ones, but sugar-free ones actually work as laxatives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is not which my favorite. So, so you do have? Do you do sugar-free candy kitten sweets then? We, we don't. No, we we looked into it, and it, it's just actually pretty bad for you. Our kind of ethos, our B hack, which we call is our big hairy audacious goal, is to make the best sweet possible. Right. Um, and, you know, we, that's why we took made it gluten and vegan and it's health. So we make the healthiest sweet possible in our eyes. So it's got real fruit juice in it. You know, I could bore you for hours, but most sweets have apple juice and orange juice concentrate. And they say real fruit juice. It doesn't. Ours actually have strawberry juice in it. They're strawberry or they have blueberry. They're blueberry. They have coconut water in them. So actually they're pretty decent sweets. It's just, yes, they still have sugar. They still have sugar. And you know that the government introduced a sugar tax on fizzy drinks and stuff. And it's been a very unsuccessful tax because what happened was the industry just adapted. And instead of having sugar, they found something else. So the tax didn't raise any money. But guess what? There's less sugar in those drinks. So I would view that as a very successful policy. But it depends what, what, what is the thing that they're having instead of sugar in those sweets. As Jamie said, if it's just effectively something that's going to be laxatively or, or unhealthy, a lot of those sweeteners aren't actually better for you, are well, they? Well, I think they are because you compare them to the fact that those very, very sugary drinks drinks i mean nobody's really their defender except the people who are making profits out of them so uh, i would say that's a good example of taking sugar out of a product while people can still have the product it's just not 
covered in sugar, just saturated with sugar. So, so I mean, I would like to see that expanded into other products. Do you think, as an example, if, it's, if it was expanded into sweets, you could find a way of making candy kittens just as delicious, which they are, but with less sugar? Yeah, I, I possibly think you could. I think there is. The issue is it when it comes down to margins, right? So, and the, the problem that we have with a lot of products out there, you know, the, the margins are pretty tight anyway in terms of selling sweets and uh, fizzy drinks, I'm sure are the same. There's not much going on. And when you start to use products that, or, or things in your product that are kind of unique in a way, especially things that, you know, are, are sort of artificial sweeteners, they actually are very expensive. So what happens is, is that you then have to change the margins within your sweets, they become more expensive. People then are actually even more irritated because your sweets are more expensive. And that's even more of an issue. So actually, people kind of, if you make it clear enough that this is what you're buying, I think it's okay. I get that it can be a struggle and it can be those, those things. But if we look at something like alcohol, right, and cigarettes, yes, cigarettes have, you know, lots of warning signs on them, and that's great, and they a certain age you have to buy them. And so they kind of done things like, with alcohol, I don't really see anything that's going on. And alcohol is far worse for us than, than you know, if alcohol is trying to introduce now into, you know, into the UK, they've never been there before, and you said that it was a, you drink this liquid, you can't, you sometimes forget what happens, it makes you do silly things, and it makes you uh, black out sometimes, here you go, drink it. We'd say, well, that sounds terrible. True. Um, but, you know, I just, I think that it's, I think that it would be amazing to try and do it. I think that what Jamie Oliver, his whole campaign, removing chocolate milk and things like that from schools, I think that's great. I think just people have to be educated enough on the product that they're eating. And I think that's the tricky thing. I also personally think a lot of the language, you're right, a lot of the education and the language that you use around it is so important. And the way that you said, you know, have it as a sweet treat is is a great way to kind of say it. Because, mum, I think the danger with the way that you speak about it is that you get into a very, a very dangerous area if you start just saying you know sugar is is the enemy or is wrong or is evil especially i think it's quite good that we are that there is marketing to young women of, of sweets and that sugar isn't necessarily the enemy that it's not all diet products that it's not all laxative gummies you know i don't know how laxative has entered our conversations here really i do think i do think that i do think that sugar is evil because, I mean, but you, you have a fair point, which is that it's hidden in very cheap food and um, people on very low budgets are going to go and buy two pizzas for five pounds because that they can feed a family. And because it's got so much sugar content in it, they all enjoy it and it feels it feels it makes them feel full. But actually, it would be so much healthier to have an alternative, but would be more expensive. You're right. <laughs> But then I okay, so then I, mean, I give you sort of a scenario. If you go into Starbucks and you feel like a muffin, right? And you see there's a muffin on there which is 300 calories, or you see a muffin that is 100 calories, and it's all artificial sweeteners and all these different things, which one are you going to pick? Are you going to pick the 100 calorie one or are you going to pick the 300 calorie one? Honestly. Honestly? Well, honestly, I'm going to pick the 300 calorie one and then beat myself up all day. <laughs> I, think I think that's kind of the logic behind a lot of people. I think that we like to think that we would pick the other one, but when you're having a treat, mm. you don't really suck out, right? You, you you hit the home run, you just go for it, just go, right, I'm having a treat, I'm just going to go for it. And, and I think as long as you know it's a treat, then it's okay. Yeah, okay, so it's about, it's about as always, it's everything in moderation, really, isn't it? Um, but I must say, on the muffin example, during lockdown, I did uh, get into a rather bad habit of eating ice cream. So when I went to the supermarket to buy some ice cream, I found some ice cream, which was, there was one which was 85 calories a tub. And the other one was 
200 calories a tub. And the third one, which is the normal one, was, of course, incredibly, I didn't even want to know. And the other ones, I thought, look, I've been so clever. I found two tubs of ice cream. They're both really low in calories. I mean, they were inedible. They're still in your freezer. They're yeah, disgusting. Yeah, so I accidentally <laughs> had it. It's not. And that is, that is the issue with it, is that you, you kind of subsidize the kind of taste of it. So, yes, you can be healthy and things like that, but actually you kind of ruin the taste, I think. One, one of the other things I wanted to ask about Candy Kittens is that you guys were kind of really ahead of the, uh, I want to say a trend, but that seems so dismissive of it. But a lot of your sweets are vegan. They all seem to be vegetarian. That really has become much more important and prevalent recently in terms of what I think our generation and the generation below are looking for. Why was it that you decided to to prioritize that? Again, it was... It was uh... Again, it was naivety, I suppose. We um, we believe that we want to make the best sweet possible. And, you know, sweets that have gelatin in it has, you know, it's, it's from the, the crack of pigs. And, and oh, I, know, I can't believe Percy Pigs is a, it has a pig in it. It's so broad, bold. Yeah, if you're a vegetarian, you shouldn't be eating sweets. If I'm telling you, it's got gelatin in them, which is making terrible things. So if you can remove gelatin from a sweet, then that kind of makes a great product. So that was always the idea behind it. And also, we always wanted to be different. We, we never wanted to be the same. And I just can't, um, you know, sort of tell people that enough. I can't. I really, whenever I speak to anyone, I say, just try and be different. We have this whole passion to try and be similar to everyone and do the same thing as everyone. And actually, it's totally wrong to do that. And so be totally different. Try things outside of the box and really go for it. We've always done that. We've always tried to do sort of different things. And actually, weirdly enough, as your company hopefully gets bigger, whatever you're doing, the problem is, is that you then start to be safer because you're a bit worried about it. So when you're young, you're like, oh, my God, we can do this. We can do that. And as soon as you start building, you go, well, we can't do that. No, we're doing a TikTok campaign at the moment because TikTok is the big ring. I'm 31 years old, nearly 32, and I'm on TikTok, please. And- <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what Flora told me. She's too old for TikTok. I'm too old for TikTok. We did a TikTok. It did um, not go down well. <laughs> God, just really hate myself when I'm on it. Um, anyway, we, you know, when we started these things, we could put these campaigns out like that. You know, yeah. doing a TikTok mm-hmm. campaign, and I spoke to my this one. It's taken us three weeks to launch it. Why? What, what reason? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's changed? We have more people. We have more money. But yet it's harder to get things going. And that's a bit frustrating, I think. Yeah. With businesses that as soon as you get bigger, things become slower. It's harder. It's always harder to innovate from inside an organization than outside it. That's what you're discovering. That is exactly it. That's, it's so much harder. But I don't understand why. If you're in it, you should see it more clearly. But in fact, we see it less clearly because we're so focused on our roles yeah 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 well you're obviously seeing it so that's good they've got somebody in there who's continuing to pull out make sure you have an innovation coming at you hey they don't listen to me anymore <laughs> they, they just, like, we, don't, we don't care i'm like guys this one found on the boss i'm like we don't care don't listen to you anymore <laughs> how do you have time to still do all your made in chelsea stuff when you're so it seems innovating and doing all this other entrepreneurial work I think I think that you know I, I so I would say I would I would say that I'm an okay entrepreneur I'm not a very good businessman um, and I think you've got to really understand what you're good at and what you're bad at whenever you're doing anything and actually it's all down to ego at the end of the day um, and a lot of people fail because they want to try and do everything and they think they're better do you know what I was really quite good at the beginning I was really good at hiring people better than me and so I found people my business partner a guy called Ed Williams he's an amazing businessman he's been with me for seven years he's MD of the company now. 
he runs it from day to day because he's just fundamentally better. He just yeah. knows what to do. He understands how to manage people much better than I do. I'm weak when it comes to those kind of things. And I think that you have to really build a team around you. You can have a great idea, but a terrible team, and it doesn't work. If you can have a mediocre idea, but a great team, and it probably will work. Um, and I think it's about building a great culture within the business. I think culture is everything. And what we try and do at Candykins is build a really important, lovely culture that people actually want to work hard and have fun and all these different things. So building a team is what I did quite well, um, luckily. And they run it. They're, they're just great guys. And I do my bit and they run it from day to day. That's great. I mean, I think you're absolutely right that um, it's it's as much about the people as it is the idea when you're building a business. And obviously, you've got some good people there to make it successful, as well as yeah. uh, an interesting product. And, and also, you know, what we've decided to do is, you know, we're now a B Corp, which is basically, in a, oh, in a so short, impressive. it's people, planet and profit, all we call the same thing. And that's what we've been about. And we, we sort of, so we're now a B Corp registered with some sort of, it's like Rosex, we're like 55 points or it's like a handicap. I don't know. Mm. But it's a really okay. good, yeah, we're on something. But it's a really great thing for young businesses, for businesses doing it that, that become a B Corp because you're just focusing on planet and everything. So our, our product is as recyclable as it can be, you know, which is great. We, we've been doing, you know, we did this whole Heroes campaign over lockdown. So we donated nearly 100,000 now to Heroes Charity, which is a great thing for uh, yeah. Workers, so we're kind of always focusing on those things. I think that's also really important. Focus on people. Um, yeah, as much absolutely. As focusing on selling. Okay, well, Jamie, thank you so much. It's been fascinating to talk to you, and thank you for giving me an excuse for allowing me to eat so much sugar or, or little bits of sugar. When I when I first told Mum we were having you on, I told her you had uh, candy kittens, and she got confused with killing kittens, and was like, "What has yeah, Jamie yeah. got to do with that?" I was like, "Not, not quite." <laughs> Emma got very excited when you thought it was killing kids. I thought, oh, God, I really am going to learn something. <laughs> no, we're back to sweets. <laughs> different kind of treat. It's a different kind of treat. Again, very good. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Very thank sweet you, of you. you so thank much. you so much, Jamie. So appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. I'll see you later. <laughs> So you had a go at Jamie, even though Anne told him not to. Um, and did he convince you? I thought he was quite winning, I have to say. Sort of sweets as a treat rather than sort of consumed by a whole packet, which is really quite frankly for what you've done on one of these here. I've done. Yeah, you've done. Um, and if only people could only eat one or two at a time. But I mean, the point about sugar really is that it's quite addictive. So I'm not sure it's not a bit... Uh, unfair to say uh, only people are expected to have one or two because actually once you start opening a packet you want to eat more yeah but you, don't you think you can't go over after people jamie's made a sweet company if he had less sweets in his his, his sweets then there'd be another company really it's very easy to pretend like sh sugary sweets is the enemy but they're not it, it's bigger issues as, as Anne told us it's about education it's about having the time to cook healthy meals it's about lots of other things let's not pretend like just because they obviously have sugar that they're the enemy oh don't pick on the candy kittens <laughs> as jamie said i think what's important is the transparency sweet companies like candy kittens are transparent that they are a sweet treat what's much more dangerous is the companies that have tons of sugar hidden in them that you would never expect okay well i'll give you that um you can't uh, open a packet of sweets whether they're called candy kittens or anything else and be surprised there's sugar in them um, there is it is quite different to the 
uh, food that has sugar hidden in it, which encourages people to eat a lot of really unhealthy food. But I also think that there are a lot of different reasons that people have weight problems. And when you try and demonize sugar and create it as this villain, it, it gives off this impression that, oh, that person's obese. They must be eating too many sweets. Oh, no, no, no. People actually, that's rubbish. Yeah, but Flora, people aren't that stupid. They know it's a combination of things. Just as Anne has rightly said that the answer is a combination of combination of solutions but I worry but saying that um, sugar isn't the problem it's this it's that it's this that it's a lot of intervention and it's going to be expensive and it's going to take years will just mean that it'll be put in the too difficult to do box and then nothing will happen so the reason why I liked the sugar tax and I like the idea of uh, expanding it is because it's a simple straightforward thing to do relative to perhaps the better answer which is this whole family approach which will take years and I don't think will necessarily get done because people won't make it a priority. I feel like there's something quite hypocritical about you being like oh let's put a tax on the sugar while I just I know how much sugar you eat <laughs> it's a lot you're, you're basically just saying I should be able to eat sugar because I can handle it but the rest of you should have to pay more because I can't trust you to handle to eat a limited number of sweets oh, oh this has escalated really quickly yeah also I'm it's not guilting true. you into agreeing with me it's basically. not true agree I with me or you're immoral I don't eat that much sugar what I do eat is a lot of cheese rather like the prime minister as we were hearing that's sort of my weakness prime minister's cheese gives me the creeps yeah I know what you mean um okay but I would conclude that I have a point but it's a smaller point than I thought okay and there is a bigger point out there which is having a more rounded approach to families so I agree with Anne on that and I'm willing to give Jamie a pass I mean he's, he's a lovely young man so basically sugar is a little bit evil but we just need to understand that it's evil and with all things we all need a little little bit of naughtiness in our life You've been listening to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. It's a Wireless Studios production for Times Radio, produced by Ben Mitchell. Tune in to Times Radio every Sunday at 7pm to hear us live. And you can download the podcast to listen on demand. We're available at Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and from the shiny new Times Radio app. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.